Hello, friends, and welcome to the Robcast. This is episode 123, and this is part seven of the Wisdom series, and this episode is called The Simple and the Subtle. And of course, when you say the word subtle, you have to say it like that, like subtle. It's not subtle. It's subtle. The simple and the subtle. And this episode is actually, it's really interesting how how the creation of content comes about because when I started working through the Proverbs and the wisdom tradition, thinking about doing a series for the Robcast, this idea that I'm going to show you here in this episode was one of the first ones that was like, whoa, I had never seen that before. That's really interesting. And I did like the rough one minute overview for Kristen, my wife, and she gave me that look like, uh, you know, that look like, I know you're really excited about this, but but I, you're not making much sense. <laughs> I remember thinking, I, apparently I'm going to have to live with this for a while because I'm not able to communicate my sort of thrill about what I've stumbled into here. So this was going to be episode one, but I've lived with it now for a couple of months. What, two, three months now? And uh, now it's like, oh, that's actually what's going on here. So I'm going to show you something that's it's like almost just below the surface and this is a classic example of how an ancient text and an ancient tradition has all of this depth and profound truth, but it's like you have to live with it for a while and you, you have to let it marinate. So um, we're going we're gonna to cover all sorts of interesting ground here because I am I'm really, really thrilled that I get to show this to you. A couple things real quickly. Uh, I'm doing a Largo show this week. And I've been working on this for a while. I'm debuting this new thing on the evolution of flowers. And uh, it's almost like a theology of aesthetics. We're going to talk about architecture and dancing and how it all relates to your commute in the morning to work. Anyway, that's my Largo show. Pete Rollins is actually going to do some on the front end, which is going to be fantastic. So um, still some tickets for that. And then uh, in early November... I'm doing another event at the Improv, two days on spiritual leadership. So uh, whether you have some group that meets in your house or you mentor people or you're a yoga teacher or maybe you're a chef and you're helping people care for themselves in all sorts of interesting ways or you're a priest or pastor, whatever it is that you do, um, um, this one, I have a bunch of new content and... So anyway, there's still a couple spots for that. And then the How to Be Here Tour is going to wrap up in November. There's a stop in Chattanooga. And then I'll wrap it up here in L.A. at Wanderlust, the yoga center in Hollywood. And then the How to Be Here Tour will be done. So I know, I think there's a couple spots left for Chattanooga and some spots left for L.A. But we'd love to see you at those. And then we're going to shut that tour down and uh, go away and dream it all up again. You know what I'm saying? Oh, and then one more thing. Um, earlier this year, well, last year I did a tour called Everything is Spiritual. And then earlier this summer, we released the film, the Everything is Spiritual 2016. And, uh, those of you who have seen it, you know that there's a giant triangular shaped whiteboard, which I had custom made for the tour. And it is on eBay as of the recording of this podcast. And, uh, here's what I want to do. I want to sell the whiteboard for a ridiculous amount of money, and then I want to give the money to a village somewhere that doesn't have access to clean water. So um, the bid 
seriously, if you're bidding, bid a ton of money because I want to turn that whiteboard into somebody somewhere getting clean water so kids can go to school, so people aren't sick anymore, that sort of thing. So you can check out Rob Bell, Everything is Spiritual, Whiteboard, um, eBay, and um, you know what I mean? There we go. Very, very exciting stuff. The whiteboard is could be your. You could have a 20-foot triangular-shaped whiteboard in your living room if you so choose, or your backyard, or whatever that is, which just makes me laugh. So now, here we go. The simple and the subtle. Uh, the book of Proverbs, chapter 9, wisdom, because she's a woman. She's personified as a woman in this tradition. She has set her tables. She has sent out her servants, and she calls, let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, come eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways, and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. So wisdom is a woman, and she's saying uh, she's preparing a feast for everybody. Wisdom prefers a nice Chardonnay. And she's saying to everybody, what you need is wisdom, and there's plenty of wisdom. There's more than enough. She essentially is understood to be saying you are not living in a universe of lack. So in this episode, I want to talk specifically to those of you who are in a tight spot. Uh, maybe you're struggling with the weight of a decision. Um, maybe finances are tight. And so you're literally like, do I spend the money on this or on this? And each way, there's a, you can argue each case. There's a good and a bad to either. There's pros and cons to either decision. Maybe you're in a relationship that is uh, stressing you to no end. So whatever you're going through, whatever doesn't make sense, uh, maybe it's a mess you made, or maybe it's a mess someone else made, and you're having to make your way through it. Uh, there is a wisdom tradition that is thousands of years old across continents, cultures, customs, and languages that insists that there is wisdom for you to help you make your way through this. Uh, She's a woman wisdom who finds joy in people in the world. The whole world is drenched in the divine presence, wisdom insists. She's calling to everyone and she's on your side. So one of the things I find really interesting about the wisdom tradition is so many times we feel alone. Uh, like it's just up to us to try to figure this out and none of the paths in front of us, none of the options seem good. They all have a downside. But in the wisdom tradition, there is this deep-seated belief that what you need is available. So uh, what I want to do is I want to show you two words that get paired again and again and again in the Proverbs wisdom tradition. Now, the word Proverbs means is uh, the Hebrew word masal, M-A-S-A-L, and it means comparison. So when someone talks about an ancient proverb, or I was reciting a proverb, or I was reading the Proverbs, um, comparisons is, is how we might say it in English. Essentially placing one thing over and against another. Because part of the wisdom tradition are there are these ways, these modes, these being in the world. You can go this way, this way of being in the world. You can go this way, or you can go this way. You have this choice to do this, or you have this choice to be this. And what's really interesting is when I first started working on this, and thinking about doing a series for the podcast, uh, I noticed these two words that kept appearing together. 
And I realized that the one of the words is a word that we don't really use that much. And it kept getting paired. So in chapter one, right away, verse four, um, it reads, forgiving prudence to those who are simple. So right away, I was like, prudence apparently is something that's the simple need. Then chapter uh, eight, you who are simple, gain prudence. Chapter uh, 14, the simple believe anything, but the prudent give thought to their steps. Uh, Later in chapter 14, the simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. Chapter 22, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Now, here's what I thought was so interesting. The first time I read through Proverbs and thinking about the series, I kept thinking prudent and simple. Why are these two placed in comparison, especially the word prudent? Like when was the last time you used the word prudent? You know what I mean? Like if you and your friends are getting ready to go out and someone's like, hey, let's go this way. And someone's like, I just don't know if that would be prudent. You all would look at your friend and be like, what did you, did you just say you didn't think that would be prudent? Um, I think that's a word like your grandmother would use or the shortened word, um, word prude or prudish. Um, even the sound prudish, it sounds like you have a disease. So these aren't, this isn't a word that we use um, that much. And simple, uh, often we think simple, like I oh, was just so simple. We, we often attribute simple to be good or that magazine, Real Simple, we think that's hopefully like a good thing. And yet in the wisdom tradition, and especially uh, numerous English translations of the Hebrew, prudent and simple are placed over and against each other. And one of the things I've noticed, um, I've sort of been teaching and making sermons and reflecting on these things for about 25 years, is when you read a text over the years, I've noticed again and again and again, if it's bland or strange or, or funny or weird, it's probably because there's something there. So you come across these two words that keep getting placed against each other. Uh, there's probably something interesting just below the surface. So there are these people who are simple, and in the wisdom tradition, what they need is prudence. And it's actually quite serious at times. Like uh, chapter one, there's this line, for the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. So in the wisdom tradition, the simple are people who act in such a way that it will literally get them killed. Um, Now remember, as uh, I've talked about in earlier episodes, you're either living or dying. That, That life and death in the wisdom tradition. Sometimes it's, it's life and death, like you're actually going to die right now if you do keep doing that. But, but it's much more states of being, modes of being. Um, it's much less you're alive and then you die, and much more right now, alive and breathing, you're either living or dying. Now, the word simple in Hebrew is the word peti, pethe, petium. There's a whole bunch of words that come out of it. From all, they all come from the word patha, sort of the root, one of the roots And that word generally translates seducible. Isn't that interesting? Seducible. So let the seducible gain prudence. Uh, There's a word for you, seducible. Or sometimes it's translated foolish. So the fool is also simple and fool are synonymous. Um, But that root comes from this word patha, 
which comes from a word that's related to the word one. So we'll come back to that in a moment. One as an incredibly simple. Uh, now, so you have this simple patha, and then in Hebrew, prudent is orma. The patha and the orma. So, uh, chapter 7, I saw among the simple, I noticed uh, a young man, and then it talks about a young man who gets seduced and makes a ruin of his life. So, in that case, the simple is somebody who has no larger compass or path. Whatever crosses in front of them, they just go after. They have no larger filter or lens through which they see things. It's somebody who's basically like squirrel and pulled off track easily. Uh, the simple believe anything, chapter 14. So, uh, and the prudent give thought to their steps. So the simple are people who don't reflect uh, on the depth and significance of the situations they find themselves in. Then, which I think is really interesting, the simple inherit folly, uh, which, and you'll find this often, one of the things about the simple is they are people who are handed something, they're handed a view of the world, they're handed a system, they're handed a set of rules, and they just take it. Uh, they don't examine it, they don't question it, they don't have any doubts, they don't poke it or prod it. The simple are those who just take what they're handed and go with it, and they don't do any examination or any... Uh, analyzation of whether it is actually the best way. I know, you see what I mean? We're getting, we're starting to like, starting to heat up here, you know what I mean? Uh, and then, interesting, the simple or foolish show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. So in chapter 12, there's this picture of the simple is the person who whatever somebody does, they just immediately react a particular way. But the prudent see things from a higher altitude, and sometimes they overlook an insult because to react in the moment violently or aggressively uh, wouldn't be the smartest move. Now, and here's where it was like literally sitting in the back house, fireworks, just sitting here, just fireworks going off. I just said literally, didn't I? Like there were literally fireworks going off. Uh, you know what prudence means in Hebrew? It gets translated subtlety and nuance. That's one of the main translations of this word, orma, prudence. Subtlety and nuance. So the Proverbs open with the, what wisdom does is wisdom gives prudence to those who are simple. And here's the moment when I was like, just, it was just like fire up the band. You know what I mean? Here is one translation of give prudence to those who are simple. One translator translates it, give subtlety to the naive. So all those pairings I just took you through, one of the ways to read them is there are people who are naive and what they need is subtlety and nuance. Oh, ho, 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 ho. okay, okay. So now let, let's, start, uh, let's start to pull this apart because this is why then in the, in the wisdom tradition, the simple are so easily seduced. They're seduced by money, sex, power, belonging. They're seduced by easy answers. Uh, but the prudent, 
are those who understand there's depth, complexity, ambiguity. There's more going on here. Now, a couple thoughts. First, we live in a culture that worships at the altar of the simple. Very straightforward. I know you're with me on this. We live in a culture that worships at the altar of the simple. If you, can you grasp it, laugh at it, buy it, conquer it, understand it, mock it, like it, get it, make fun of it, purchase it, post it, mock it, sign up for it, hate it, or Snapchat it in under 10 seconds? Great. <laughs> we live in a culture that wants to move very fast and wants instantaneous responses to things. I mean, think about politics. How, if you ask me, so many people, how many people are running for president, so many Americans would tell you two people are running for president. How did we get this far with this massive media system in a presidential election with most people only being aware of two candidates when in fact lots of people are running for president? Because if you keep it simple, that's what the system veers towards. Or you think about business and commerce and buying things. Just convince people they need to buy it. Not if it's good for them or good for the world or if the employees who helped made it, it's a fair and equitable wage or whether it's good for the environment or what it says about what it means to be human or what it does to other tribes who produce it so this tribe can consume it. Just tell them they need it. Or think about religion. This is how it is. If you ask questions or challenge the power structure, oftentimes you get end up getting kicked out of the tent. Think of how many religious systems are built around not questioning. There's no room for doubt, ambiguity, mystery. This is what we believe. If you have a problem with it, you're out. Or think about it at a, at a familial level. Think of how many families. This is how we do things. We don't question it. It's not challenged. If you have a problem with this or you don't play by the rules... Uh, there are things that are acceptable to talk about, and there are things that aren't. And if you want to engage with the depth, the subtlety, and the nuance of it, there really isn't any space for that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How do you control people? How do you sell them things? How do you profit off of them? You keep things simple. The simple, by the way, love yes or no questions. Just tell me, yes or no. The simple love litmus tests, and any of you know what I'm talking about, it's like the question that's actually like a dog whistle question, and if you answer it the correct way, you're good, but if you don't answer it the correct way, then you get uh, sometimes quietly, but other times very overtly, well, now you're not one of us. Are you this or are you that? What do you believe about? What do you actually believe? The simple love sound bites. Oh, just keep it on the surface and keep it short and pithy and we'll be all set. If you don't play by the rules of the simple, often you're accused of having no spine. You aren't willing to take a stand. You're all about the gray when it's black and white. You don't have conviction. You're weak. Uh, you've been led astray. You're on a slippery slope. And this happens in sort of all areas of life. Uh, but you can see in the wisdom tradition this, there are these people who are simple. And then there are people who have moved to prudence. And you can gain prudence. Let the naive be given subtlety. That is a verse in the Bible. <laughs> that the naive may be given some pl 
maybe given subtlety. Now, uh, this is all sort of the intro. Here's, here's what I want to get at, because this is to me where things, something big begins to open up in my heart when I begin to really sink down into this. I want to talk about complexity here. I want to talk specifically to those of you who have guilt or shame because somewhere in your head is an internal voice that tells you you were supposed to have figured it out by now. Maybe it's the voice of your tribe, authority figures, maybe it's a partner, maybe it's neighbors, whatever it is. Maybe you have some voice that you keep beating yourself up because by now, whatever age, whatever stage you are, you have in your head, you were supposed to have it figured out by now. You're supposed to have smooth sailing. Maybe you run a business and you're constantly up against these difficult decisions where if you do it this way, there are some drawbacks if you take this path. But if you take that path, there will be a different set of drawbacks. So there are these pros and cons. It's actually not simple. It's very complex. Or maybe you're in a relationship and you're trying to like... Do we move to that town for your job or do we move to this town for your job? Uh, how do we spend this money? Because you really want that and I really want this. And how, how do we navigate our differences and our pasts and our wounds? Or, and if you're raising kids, come on. Uh, and and you're, there's the actual life that you've you're been entrusted to. So these decisions aren't trivial or, or uh, sort of, these are like, these this matters. This is serious. Uh, it's difficult, isn't it? Or maybe you're, you're just have some people in your life who are draining, toxic. Maybe they're just downright dangerous. And you're trying to make your way in the world with integrity and kindness and trying to figure out what your boundaries are and how much interaction you can have. And it's really, really difficult. There is a complexity to life. And oftentimes, especially, especially in the religious realm, it's like, well, you got to take a stand. You just got to, it's, people are given this like, no, it's simple. Just do, do the right thing. Just do what God wants or what Jesus told you to, or, or Buddhist, whatever it is. Sometimes what happens is authority figures charge in with like, what's your problem? Instead of charging in with, I know it's really difficult uh, maybe maybe you're in a line of work where every day there's a certain moral ambiguity and you are doing everything you can to do the right moral thing. And yet you never stop finding yourself in situations that are like a morass of options, competing interests, weighing options. This is good, but it has a downside. That has a downside, but also has some good in it. If you're actually trying to make your way in this world with integrity and with soul and with a moral compass, you're constantly finding yourself between these competing forces. The tension that you feel, the stress, the sense of, I just want to do the right thing here. And sometimes the right thing feels really evasive and slippery, like you're wrestling air. Here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with you. Oftentimes your struggle is because you're actually giving things the weight and the sweat they deserve. The struggle and tension isn't that you've somehow wandered off the path. The struggle and tension is because you're actually giving things 
you're actually acknowledging the subtlety and nuance that is there. By the way, parentheses, fundamentalism is the refusal to acknowledge the complexities of life. Fundamentalism is the refusal to acknowledge the ambiguous nature of many situations in life. Fundamentalism just charges in with very black and white, just do the right thing. Uh, so what fundamentalism has to do in all forms is it has to push the difficulty and the ambiguity under the surface, which is why in very repressive environments, people are always nuts. You know what I'm talking about? They're always, they're, they're always you find a level of just miserable. And oftentimes you'll find people end up way more devious and scheming <laughs> because you have to push all of that under. And then you need to find an enemy because of all of that which swirls around within you, if you're not honest about it and name it and drag it up and talk freely about it, then you have to find an enemy to place it on. Otherwise, you're going to have to look inside. So in the wisdom tradition, it begins with there are these, there is this way of living in which you're prudent, which means it also... Um, Prudent is also paired with knowledge in a good sense. Like the prudent are those who have knowledge. They're actually honest about all the factors that are in play. They actually give a proper accounting for all that is going on just below the surface. So let's move from simply the complexity to the way then to wisdom isn't around the complexity but it's through it. The simple is the one who refuses to acknowledge the complexities. They just stand there and repeat the party line. They just stand there and spout the cliches. They just keep referring to the same Bible verses. There's some, and by the way, one scholar in talking about this pairing between the simple and the prudent, tell me if this isn't a great line. This one scholar wrote, simple is a chosen outlook not a reflection of equipment. <laughs> oh my word, how good is that? That the simple is a chosen outlook, not a reflection of equipment. <laughs> Essentially saying, um, this is not, an, once again, wisdom is not about intellect. It's not about IQ. It's not about how many books you've read. It's not, not about how fast your brain fires or where you went to school. It is a willful denial of what's actually present. It keeps things seem simple, even when it is aware that things are way, it just keeps saying, just bomb them. Just bomb them, bomb their wife, bomb their children, bomb their families, just keep dropping bombs on them. Even though what bombs do is make people even more angry. It willfully chooses to be simple and to not be prudent. So what happens then, oftentimes, if you're in a world that worships at the altar of the simple, is if you move into prudence and you are actually giving the situation the weight that it deserves, you're actually acknowledging the subtleties and the nuances and the complexities that are present. You're pausing because you want to do the right thing. It can often to the simple appear like inaction. You know what I'm talking about? It can appear like you're just waffling, you're just flip-flopping, you're just on the fence. What's your problem? You're not just giving the straightforward party line answer that everybody's always asked for. Um, but here's what's important to remember. The prudent, it's not 
that I'm not taking it seriously. It's that I'm actually taking it seriously. I'm pausing here. I'm not charging in with another cliche or party line because I'm giving it what it deserves. This is not because I'm not taking a stand or I'm weak or I'm indecisive or I'm avoiding the question. It's because I'm actually trying to give this issue the kind of answer it deserves. Come on, raise your glasses so good. And you can see why wisdom, and we're gonna get to this later. We'll, we'll do a whole section after down the road on the countercultural nature of wisdom. But if you are in a culture that loves simplicity and you move from the simple to the prudent, you, are not, you may move a half step slower because you're realizing, wait, 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 wait. This is not what it looks like on the outside. You may look like you're, they don't have a spine, whatever happened, they used to be able to say it. Now they don't even, no, no, no. It's not because you're weak and decisive. It's not because you're avoiding the question. Uh, it's because you're trying to give the question the kind of answer it actually deserves. And by the way, having done a fair number of interviews over the last decade, um, I cannot tell you how many times in an interview I've said something like, oh, you just asked me a yes or no question about a topic that people have been reflecting on for about 5,000 years. So, so if I did have a very simple yes or no question about that, uh, um, there would be something wrong with me <laughs> and my answer. Um, yeah, when, when you get in... Um, when you try to raise a kid, when you try to grow a business, when, you, when, when you're in healthcare and you're trying to give people the best treatment, when you're in education, uh, when, when you're trying to figure out whether you spend the money on this or this, do you, do you spend an extra two hours at the office and maybe make a little more money? Or do you go home and be with your family? Like all of these decisions, this, this, uh, this is... This is the tension and struggle and sweat of how you create a life. And sometimes the, your pause, your sense of, man, the, you're, what, you're prudent. That's prudence. That's giving things their proper weight. That's acknowledging that this issue right here has some subtleties and some nuances to it. And the same old sound bites don't work when you try to actually live it out. And it's not because somehow you don't care about the truth or you've gone soft. It's because you've actually stepped into reality at a whole new level. By the way, this is often why in the wisdom tradition, they talk about sayings and riddles. Um, and even what you've seen so far in this series is how many times we're talking about metaphors and analogies and images uh, it's because when you move into wisdom, then you're often moving into a deeper level than just facts and figures. Metaphor and image and picture and parable become your friend. Sometimes literal language becomes less helpful because you're now trying to navigate some very difficult waters. Look what we did just there. <laughs> you're trying to navigate some waters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, oh man. Uh, and, and also I would say this, sometimes leaving the simple ways can be painful because you, you used to, some of those phrases and sentences worked. They used to be, they used to be enough. When you were a child, this great line in the New Testament, when we were, child, when we were children, we, we ate that kind of food and now we don't. <laughs> it's uh, sometimes 
it's uh, painful when you're waking up because you used to think about things in a particular way. You had a nice sentence that was how you thought about them. You had a nice little saying that was how you resolved that. But then you met them. Them became a friend. Or you actually found yourself in that situation. And, and suddenly the world didn't work the way that you had been taught it works. Sometimes it can feel like you've been lied to or you've been betrayed. Um, but this is often what happens. You, the simple ways used to work, and now they don't. And uh, sometimes you have to have a funeral. You have to have a funeral for who you used to be. That used to work for me. That life, the answers in that old life, were they satisfied and now they don't. And so you have to acknowledge the grieving. I often meet people who they have a question, some question, you know, everything's changing and I'm, I have a whole new spiritual paradigm. And I'm just, and I was like, uh, but what sometimes I can smell, I can feel at, like a, at a molecular level that their question actually has grief in it. They're grieving, they're grieving. Now you think about it for thousands of years, uh, we had a village elder. There was a village elder. When you were in one of the situations with your work, your family, your relationships, your health, and you were figuring it was really messy and there was all sorts of subtlety and nuance and complexity and ambiguity. Uh, traditionally, you had a village elder and you went to them because there was somebody who had gained wisdom over the years. And so they were wise because they were old. And so they understood what you shouldn't get hung up on and they understood what you should care about. Um, but in many ways in our culture, we've lost the village elder. For, for many people, the oldest are not the people who are most tuned in. They're the people complaining about the volume of the music or something. Not always. I mean, I have some beloved friends. Uh, I have a friend who's in his late 60s that I regularly surf with. He teaches me so much about the world because he's from business to family to struggles with people he loves in, in addiction. I mean, he's seen it all. Uh, and he does this beautiful job of sorting out for me uh, the subtleties and the nuances. And I realize now I go to him because uh, he's got prudence. Uh, he stockpiles prudence. <laughs> That's the goal, by the way. The goal is to grow younger as you grow older, to gain all this wisdom so you know more and more what matters and what doesn't, but you still stay young. So chapter nine of the book of Proverbs, wisdom prepares a feast for everybody. And I know you're like me, I need wisdom. What you need is wisdom. And in the wisdom tradition, there's plenty of wisdom. There's more than enough. Uh, there's more than enough. Uh, so uh, one mantra that's helped me, which I come back to again and again and again, Jesus tells the story of a, a prodigal son and he comes home and his father throws a party. The older brother has a problem. The older brother complains to the father and the father says, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. Yeah, of all the lines Jesus could put on, on the lips of the divine, uh, he has the God character saying, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. So... Uh, to begin with, if you find yourself in one of them situations, you know what I'm talking about. I think you begin with everything I need is right here. Everything I need is right here. 
I'm trying to figure out what the next step is. I'm trying to figure out how to deal with that person. I'm trying to figure out what to do with this tension. I'm trying to figure out how to respond to that text. I begin with everything I need is right here. Everything I need is right here. And that what the modern simple mind does is it loves binaries, uh, good and bad. It loves to make things really, really simple. But oftentimes the reality is you're choosing one thing over another. Uh, You're going to be weighing things. And each step you take may have some pluses, but also may have some minuses. And that's how you make your way in the world. So, uh, this, this is why people pray. I've often, uh, especially interesting to me recently, the past couple of years, a number of people who've been asking about prayer, which I actually think is a question about God, because I think the God in the sky with a beard on a cloud who may or may not give you what you ask for, what's happening is that conception is dying, has died, I would argue, culturally. Um, but what happens when an understanding dies is a bunch of questions then get raised. Like, well, then why do you pray if it's not about, you know, you are asking for something, you need to get it? Because sometimes you are asking for things. And what you're doing in asking for things is you are acknowledging provision beyond yourself. You are opening yourself up to that which is beyond you. See, one of the, one of the reasons... And, and you don't have to believe in God for any of this, obviously. Um, one of the reasons you pray is because it shapes your ego, it shapes your heart, it shapes your soul. When you pray, what you are doing is acknowledging that which is beyond you. You are opening yourself up to power beyond the borders of your own self. So in the wisdom tradition, they have this line, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And you can read that word fear like respect, like profound, holy respect. Uh, And so essentially in the wisdom tradition, the beginning of wisdom is when you come to the end of yourself and you open yourself up to that which is greater and beyond you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, this is why for thousands of years, people have held on to this idea this powerful idea that there is wisdom, guidance, and power in the universe greater and beyond you. So I, uh, I cry out. I make long lists of things I need. I ask for it. I love this. Uh, Jesus says, who of you, if your child asks for bread, would give her a stone? <laughs> so good. Yeah, see, this all pushes us. Uh, and actually, I want to push your beliefs here. Um, is this universe a place of lack? Because what the wisdom tradition does is it confronts us with a universe of generosity, with a feast that has been prepared for you. Um, And now some people will immediately argue for whether or not that's true. Uh, was, Was that true or not? No, a much better question. How are you going to live? Which story do you want to live in? How does it work in the recovery movement? You surrender. How does recovery begin? You admit that you're powerless and that your life has become unmanageable. How have millions, literally millions of people gotten clean and sober? They came to the end of themselves. Of course, of course. It's how the universe works. You you come to the end of yourself, especially 
in the complexities. So in some senses, you could see it as simple, complex, and then something on the other side of complexity, prudence. There is the simple. There is the naive who refuse to acknowledge just how difficult and hard and dark and ambiguous and stressful this whole thing can be. Just keep spouting the cliches. Just keep giving the party line. Don't ever actually acknowledge the depth of the darkness. So there, there is the naive. Then there is the complexity, which is easily easy to become overwhelmed with. There is easy to become overwhelmed with the subtlety and nuance of everything. If I do this, but this, this is going to happen. If I take this step, this might happen. That's easy to get overwhelmed with. And yet wisdom, prudence is what happens when you're willing to go in there and, and actually acknowledge what's really present. And you come out the other side with something called prudence. Yeah. Yeah. Chapter two in Proverbs, the Lord gives wisdom. So in the, in the, Wisdom tradition, there's, there's this rock-solid conviction of divine revelation. You ask and you receive. You shout, show me. The wisdom tradition doesn't see wisdom as scarce, doesn't see lack. It sees it everywhere. It's a big, everywhere, present, generous view of the world, especially in the complexity and the suffering. So for you, my friends... Uh, my prayer for you is whatever it is you're trying to make your way through. Uh, let's start with how difficult it is. Yeah, it is. It is. And any energy you've been spending trying to avoid that or deny it or make it simple in ways that it's not, uh, let's use that energy for other things. Let's use that energy for other things. Wisdom Wisdom comes to bring subtlety to the naive. So you enter into all of it and you name it and get angry about it, give it language, get frustrated about it. Ah, yes, get it all out. And then you ask for prudence. You ask for an awareness of the subtlety and the nuance because the divine is there to guide you and to help you, who of you, if your kid asks for bread, would give them a stone? Do you see why wisdom is so convicting and so confrontational? Is in the wisdom tradition, you're confronted with a generous universe, spirit, divine, that keeps insisting that you are not alone that divine, that wisdom, she is on your side. That, my friends, is my prayer for you. May grace and peace be with you.